Yeah, hi everyone and a warm welcome to the latest episode of the Let's Talk About Legal podcast. I'm your host Cassidy and I lead our legal search business at Broadgate. Today I'm joined by the esteemed Georgia and Declan, both in our legal search business and we're going to delve into the challenges our clients are facing, recruiting lawyers and some of the many trends that we're seeing in the legal market. So welcome Declan, welcome Georgia and uh, should we get straight into it? Yeah, sounds good Cassidy, thanks so much. So I guess the, the, the first thing I was going to sort of throw to the floor is um, what are the recruitment challenges we're seeing our clients facing in the current market? Yeah, I think the main one, I suppose brief intro on my end actually, I recruit within the Dublin legal market. So um, Georgia and Castor focus more on the UK market in London, but in Dublin certainly I think the last six months it's been a very tight candidate pool. I mean, Dublin's a small market anyway. It's a very, you know, niche market. But I think it's been a very tight ta- uh, talent pool in the sense that, you know, this time last year, probably would have been able to try and get at least maybe two or three CVs per requisition for private practice. Whereas, you know, clients are still asking, yeah, if you could send three or four CVs, that'd be great. <laughs> and I keep saying to them, if, if, if that was the case, I'd, I'd be a very um, happy recruiter. It'd be an easier, an easier gig. But um, yeah, it's been very difficult to kind of find a broad client talent pool for clients sorry um it's been difficult to kind of find at least kind of two three cbs of the same private practice area so we're tapping now into more passive talent um, and i think it's just making clients aware um of the different strategies that we can use and how we can help them to kind of tap into those pools which i'm sure we'll get onto in a moment but i think for me definitely the hardest challenge in the last six months for the irish market has been a very tight candidate pool of active lawyers who you know are, are are quite good. So we've had to use different methods from the traditional contingent search methodology to to tap into those um, really impressive skill sets and and people. So yeah, that would be the the main challenge for Ireland at the moment, Cas. It's interesting you say that, Declan. Again, I guess I've been doing more in the London and the UK markets, and I think you're right in terms of dipping into different talent pools. It's key now, isn't it, to to filling many of our roles. I know we place more barristers into private mm-hmm. practice haven't we for example than than ever yeah. we've been placing in-house lawyers into private practice as yeah. as well on a higher volume than i think we have for a little while um so i think if clients are open-minded there's definitely an opportunity to look in places that we haven't looked before and get some great great candidates and uh i mean georgia what's your experience i know you've been doing work across in-house in london also you've been doing some um work in the the northwest does does what you see tally with with what we've described yeah i think it's been a quite a, like Jen said a tight market at the moment i think as well something i have found is like salary expectations that's been quite a difficulty with myself when sort of looking for candidates um for our clients i just think there's quite a with regards to expectations like a drastic sort of I don't know how to explain it high expectations considering yeah. all the role like different roles like I don't know if it's obviously everything's not obviously cost of living everything we do understand but I think salary expectations are a lot higher um sometimes than expected and I think that really does cause real difficulty sometimes for us and um, we do kind of have to then like Declan said tap into those passive candidates and try find someone to meet what we're sort of looking for but that's more of a difficult their expectations, to be honest. Yeah, I think I've I've seen exactly the same. I think where for the last probably year and a half, or probably uh, prior to the last mm-hmm. six months, salaries are going up at a rate of knots. 
And, yeah. uh, and I think that slowed down, hasn't it, considerably in the last six months where um, candidate expectations are still that salaries are going up at the rate of knots and they and they no longer are. So that that is a a big uh, a big uh, a big challenge. I actually think the, the the reason for that maybe is because there was obviously no hiring in 2020 because of COVID. Obviously, well, there wasn't that much hiring. And then in 2021, you know, uh, coming into 2022, there's a massive, you know, kind of war for talent for people. And they had the budget, they had the money, they had the resources, you know, the economy was kind of getting back on its feet. And a lot of kind of, you know, candidates were active, they were excited and and kind of the companies had the money to kind of, you know, pump into recruitment processes and pump into acquisition. Um, Whereas now this year, the the budgets maybe aren't (laughs) the same as they maybe were. And I think that candidates' expectations don't really align with what the budgets are for, you know, practices. And as you say, Cassidy, you know, every year there is an incremental increase. Um, but I think there is, there has been a greater disparity, I think, between candidates' expectations and what clients are willing to pay, what they need to pay. Um, and obviously, we do have to kind of candidly push back and let clients know, look, if you want to tap into the passive talent, the people that are usually the best in the market to, to join your teams, then you're going to have to bump up you know, the expectations to, to kind of you know commensurate that. Obviously, there's always kind of urban legends of what certain companies are paying at certain levels of PQE, and I do sometimes laugh um, at some candidates' expectations, especially at the NQ junior level. But again, that's why it's good to kind of work with myself, Cassidy and George, and we can kind of steer candidates in the right direction. It's obviously our job to make sure that we're getting, you know, the best offer for you in terms of package and, and wider benefits. And um, so it's why it's good to always work with the recruiters so we can kind of take that pressure off you, negotiate the best that we can. And I think just kind of let can, you know, clients know what genuinely they need to pay, you know, certain levels of PQE to get the best people. Um, and usually clients are quite, you know, understanding and receptive to that. Um, but yeah, as George said, there has been a big disparity, I think, between what clients need to pay to tap into the, the best people in the market and what candidates' expectations are, because obviously, as we all know, cost of living is just getting, you know, incrementally more um, difficult. But yeah, that's why it's good to work with us. And we've, you know, published a salary survey this year. We're doing another benchmarking process before the new year. So do reach out to any of us within, you know, the, the individual markets that we cover and we can obviously set you on the right track. So yeah, so I think, so the key recruitment challenges is, yeah, just finding people, isn't it? And, and, and dipping into passive talent pools. I think, uh, again, I'd be keen to see what your views are. I think we work with a number of clients that have struggled to find talent because they haven't really perhaps thought through how to differentiate themselves in the in the market. Have yeah. you both got any thoughts around that differentiation piece and how to make yourself an attractive employer in this current environment? Yeah, I can speak to that. I think um, it all comes down to the hiring process. Um, I think candidates now want it to be more of like an actual process where they enjoy, you know, they enjoy the process of, of being hired. It's not just a case of, yeah, standard interview questions, give me a time example, you've done X, Y, Z, you know, give me a bit more about your PQE, one through the CV. Like that's quite mundane. I think especially at the more senior end, um, you know, I've had a lot of kind of senior associates or I would kind of focus more on like, you know, senior in-house council roles or that kind of, you know, 10-year PQE plus market at the moment. And I think a lot of candidates are kind of a bit fatigued by the traditional maybe interview methods. And I think sometimes, you know, if it is more just of a meeting of minds and a chat over a coffee or, you know, an exploratative conversation, you know, on the market with regards to maybe a lunch or something, I think that that can really actually help the candidate feel maybe a bit more wanted and a bit more desirable. And I think sometimes it's just kind of obviously us giving that advice to clients on how to maybe shift from the traditional recruitment methods and obviously, you know, show that they actually are genuinely interested on a case-by-case basis, especially for senior talent, because 
I think, you know, the recruitment method that you should use for an NQ should be completely different to what you might do for a senior associate potentially looking for partnership. Um, and again, we're happy to kind of give those insights as to as to how you can kind of obviously do that to differentiate yourself. I think another one is benefits. To be fair, though, a lot of clients in the Irish market have really taken my guidance um, in terms of what they need to be doing outside of the basic pension, healthcare, you know, kind of paternity, maternity leave packages. You know, they're offering a lot of more kind of employee, employee share benefit schemes. A lot of actually um, private practices recently have pumped a lot of money and effort into funding external accreditations, not just within the legal sense, you know, diplomas in whatever practice that lawyers focus on, but actually diplomas in things like soft skills, you know, like time management, mental health stress. There's been a couple of firms in the market that I know, um, Arthur Cox, ANL being two, have pumped a lot of money into, you know, helping parents go back to work after maternity or paternity leave and, and you know, offering kind of outside counselling and shared services. So simple things like that that I think are really important because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, especially at the senior end, it, it, it's difficult to be a lawyer. You know, the billables are high, the expectations are high. And, and if you're also trying to do that and juggle, you know, life outside of work, a one way that a firm can really differentiate themselves in the market is showing that they care about their employees, not just from a basic benefit package, but helping them, you know, outside of work and in their own life as well. Um, and yeah, kudos to those firms that are, that are doing that. So I think making sure that you're offering benefits that are going to help the individual in their life, not just maybe in their work practice, because I think, you know, if you're not offering those basic benefits, especially for senior talent, it's just going to be a bit of a no-go area would be with my advice on that. Okay. So you're saying, so the benefits are key in some of those softer benefits. I think culture plays into that as well. I think firms sometimes underestimate um, how much focus um, lawyers do place on culture. And that's yeah. for the reason why they, they, they move on. I think for me, sending some of the be interested of the partners I'll be speaking to, the, the personal development piece has been really important to them. Um, I think some firms assume you've got to a part level and there's no need to invest in, in, in you at that level. But I think the shrewder clients are, 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 are coming up with some really innovative ways to upskill partners, whether that be around business development, um, whether that be around PR, whether that be around, you know, sponsoring an MBA, for example. Um, so there are opportunities, uh, you know, to, to certainly differentiate your, yourself there. And I think also, and I think you touched on it, Deck, differentiating how you pay and reward lawyers is increasingly um, important. So profit share, you know, additional bonus opportunity and additional flexibility so that, um, you know, people can take time out and sabbaticals, paid sabbaticals, all those sorts of um, good things. Anything from that you've seen, George, you think that you're seeing is is key for firms to differentiate themselves and, and firms or businesses in-house as well? Yeah, no, to be fair, I was going to mention the benefits piece. Like, I feel like like some of the clients we've spoken to together, Cassidy, a lot of the, like, when we're like, how would you sell your business? A lot of the things that are attracted that do differentiate them from other, like, firms or businesses in the market are their benefits, are like their commitment to their like employees, like share schemes, learning and development. That was really key, like sometimes. And I feel like when you then pitch that to a candidate that you're talking to as well, it makes the role like so much more attractive to them and makes them so much more invested in it. Um, because everyone, most people obviously do want that standard benefits package. They will always say that. But if you can sort of put yourself above that line of a standard benefits packet and just push it that bit further it will always put you in a different bracket to everyone that just does do the standard. Um, and I really do think that probably does put you that step forward to everyone else that is just in that standard bracket. It really does make a difference that I found any way to all the candidates. It 
is really something that makes them want to do the role a lot more than somewhere else. But yeah, I do think the benefits is, is one of the key things, like share schemes, all of that. It's definitely something that I found. Yeah, I think, yeah, I couldn't put it better myself. I just just think, yeah, loud here as well. I think also what I'm finding has come out more and more is ESG and diversity and mm-hmm. and just wanting to understand the purpose of the firm and what they're doing outside of um, just billable hours and doing for the community and doing for their people. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't know what both your thoughts are on that yeah. and how important that is for firms to express that in the current market. 100% I think I was actually going to touch on that as well Cassidy I think the va- what aligns with that is like the values of the firm or the values of the company um, I've had a couple of candidates ask that actually at the interview stage and it's been quite funny that some of the partners or some of the more senior talent are a bit kind of stumbled upon it whereas I think if you don't have kind of key values um, you know as, as a business or a bit of a vision and, and how obviously that candidate when they're hiring is going to be a part of that vision and make an impact I think people are, you know, at the senior level are definitely going to want to kind of come into a business and be a part of, you know, a growth strategy or, you know, a better improvement strategy, both for themselves as an individual, but equally for the team and for the business. And I think if you don't have a shared vision with core key values that the company or the firm are proud of, then I suppose, how can the candidate buy into the process? How can the candidate get excited about the opportunity? And why should the candidate make that move to your company? So it's maybe something that, you know, senior management should, should consider and take a look at and even simple things as you mentioned there Cassidy you know that are really imperative important are you know what are your kind of charitable do you do charitable working days you know pro bono work care in the community site projects what's your kind of you know L&D um, strategy with regards to diversity you know in all facets of, of diversity you know whether that be kind of gender social minority you know ethnic minority LGBTQIA plus um, you know what are your kind of stances on that um, and I think it's it's all very well and good maybe having like internal committees and groups but you know put your kind of um, I suppose walk the walk as well as talk the talk like what is it they actually do not just for the company and for employees but also maybe for the wider community and again it just means I think that that's quite in, in indicative then of, of a company's values and, and how they kind of pitch themselves and um, not just against their competitors but also to their clients like I think a big one as you mentioned as well they're casting on the ESG piece you know we're seeing a lot of clients really focusing on that obviously for clear reasons with global warming but equally to kind of win new clients and win new business but I think it shouldn't be just a metric that you're hitting to win new business it should be a metric that the company are, are you know very proud of um, and, and, you know, how can a candidate or how can an employee get involved in that it is really key as well. Because, again, at the end of the day, you know, people want to be a part of something. They want to be, you know, that, that that's how you're going to retain talent as well as attract talent. You know what I mean? Like having a, a vision and, and a shared common goal and purpose outside of you know, the basic rules and responsibilities. Um, we're definitely seeing a lot more senior talent ask those types of questions. Um, and it's, it's definitely kind of a thought process that I put into a candidate's head when interviewing. So I think it's so important, um, especially if you're making a big move and you want it to be one that's going to give you, you know, sustainability, career development and, and progression. So, yeah, all those kind of key values, I think, are, are really important when considering a new role as well. And definitely for companies need to kind of have those pretty clear and laid out when when hiring um, top top talent. So to summarise, um, last question for all of us. So, so what are perhaps the three or four top tips we would recommend to employers, law firms, companies um, to help them attract uh, the best talent in the market? For me, Cassidy, I think one thing in Dublin that you did touch on it earlier, but for the Dublin market in particular, and again, kudos to you know all the businesses that I've worked with that have done this, I think not just being super pedantic on a job spec, uh, you know, kind of being a bit more flexible on PQE, on candidates' background. You know, I've actually had a lot of success recently in hiring 
people from you know a barrister background or someone who's been at the bar for a couple of years who's maybe done a bit of work in house or has ex- exclusively just worked at the bar at moving into practice and doing the conversion course you know in time um, and I think the reason for that is it, is it brings a different skill set to the table it brings a different skill set to the team that diversity of thought um, instead of someone who's maybe just been traditionally in the private practice bubble you know obviously that that has its benefits as well but I think you know a lot of clients have, have really noticed a lot of practices in particular have noticed if they hire someone especially at the senior end you know that that has a bit more broader PQE whether that be at the bar or, or from an in-house background you know the, the kind of client-centric model and, and the additional skill sets on advocacy you know time management you know and and other things really that that, that can bring the, the team so yeah I think one thing that a lot of companies seem to be doing to win especially at the senior end top talent is um as we said as we said it's such a tight market at the moment is is maybe kind of keep your basic rules and requirements or desirable and they say that in inverted commas a desirable candidate keep keep the kind of job spec quite broad as to what or who that might look like and have an open mind because I think it you know it can definitely add and benefit to the team and then make a big impact for the wider business if, if you hire someone who's got a broader PQE and skill set. Yeah thanks Declan anything you'd like to add to that Georgia around the you know, top tips for firms and uh, organizations looking to get the the best talent they can? completely agree with what Declan said obviously I think also like we touched on before differentiate themselves and market that benefits piece I do think is quite key like it it really does make a difference like being able like I said to offer just above that like standard benefits package line doing those shares like learning and development all of that I really do think going that extra mile really does make a difference in the recruitment process it really will make you stand out um and just get those candidates that are a lot more hard to get because they do maybe hold those higher expectations, but those benefits will allow you to kind of tap into those candidates. But I really do think that is important. Yeah, well said. And I think a tip I give to my class, I've worked with the top 100 client uh, recently to actually um, preemptively pipeline talent. So they know strategically they will be looking to grow over the next three, four, five years. Well, let's start to um, map the market now and identify those people who um, you'd like within your organisation. I think that's something we're good at doing with our our clients, so that we're we're ahead of the the competition. And I think what lends onto that then is a is it a more proactive approach to recruitment. I think what uh, many yeah. clients try and do is they um, they have an immediate need. They go to five agencies and they hope to fill the role. Then we find twelve months later the role's not filled. Whereas those clients are a little bit more astute who perhaps mm-hmm. work in partnership with a consultancy and identify firms and organisations where good passive talent is and then proactively reach out mm-hmm. to passive talent are those that I think in the current market are far more successful recruiting, um, certainly yeah, more quickly and, and more um, cost effectively. And again, yeah, what, what do you both think in relation to that? 100% Kelsey have had a lot of success in that recently actually a candidate that I placed last month the first time that they met the client was in August and it's obviously December 1st um, that we're speaking today so um, that was in November so they, they initially had a conversation with the client or in the with the candidate in August and then the interview process moved forward I think the candidate is still looking they were quite lucky but um, I think it, yeah it's kind of like preempting if you see a good candidate we're obviously putting forward you know working with recruiters and, and you know good recruiters in the market that are, have their ears to the ground of, of that passive talent piece or people who are just maybe open to conversations at this stage I think just preempting what you might need or what the business needs and obviously you can never really know until maybe someone has a notice in or you you know you win a new project at work but I think it's just keeping again an open mind if someone does you know come across your desk from from us 
um, having that open mind and, and preempting what you might need and, and just meeting good people. You know, it's hard to find good people in the market at the moment, as we mentioned at the start, it's, it's very tight. So just keeping that open mind and, and kind of, yeah, building that own kind of internal talent pool that then you can tap into. I think off the back of that as well, that actually leads to a faster recruitment process. You know, as you mentioned there, Cassidy, if you wait for, you know, someone to leave or if, if you wait for when there's actually like an active and, and live need, um, and I appreciate, you know, people have, have, you know, are busy and, and they don't really have a lot of time to constantly be meeting, you know, people all the time. But I think if there is someone that just piques your interest, definitely kind of keep them in mind. And I think sometimes that, that could be quite flattering as well. You know, I, if I can't like, say, do you know what, like I will meet them for a coffee or we'll go into their office and meet them for a chat or, you know, the beauty of technology now, we can do it over Teams and Zoom and from the comfort of our home. So I think just keeping an open mind, if you do see someone that could be of interest, because it actually leads to a speedier recruitment process when you actually are looking, because you've obviously you've already met that candidate you've already got that buy-in you've had that initial chat you've already maybe culturally you know ticked the boxes that they could be a good fit and then you can get more into the kind of technical stuff and work out some sort of a business plan of how they can actually slot into the team into the role and when they when you actually are hiring you know kind of from initial interview to offer stage it, it's a lot quicker if you've already obviously got that talent pool and um, already kind of built up using us to, to help with that approach so um yeah i definitely say it's at least a faster recruitment process as well yeah, and I think just to sort of wrap up on that, I think it's quite interesting to see how, I guess, the shrewder clients are now moving away from that contingent recruitment model approach of yeah. five agencies and, and working on more of a retained basis so they can identify good talent. I think we had a good example of that that with a FTSE 100 business recently where I think we filled a head of legal role in, in about four weeks, didn't we? Because we had the space to to really uh, yeah, attack uh, passive talent. So, um, yeah, so I think that is a good summary anything more to add thank you so much for your time cassidy and, and georgia and thanks everyone for listening i really really enjoyed the conversation and we'll hopefully do another one in the new year yeah definitely like thank you for obviously tuning in if you're obviously interested in discussing any of our strategies on how to build a diverse or high performing team or just like to have a conversation with us about the current market like don't hesitate to reach out or like feel free to go on our website and drop us a message on linkedin we'd love to have a chat with you about that a bit further but thank you everyone for listening today thank you so much thanks guys Bye.